was a book by a pastor that I respected. And the book was entitled Practical Atheism. I thought, wait, what? This guy's a preacher. What's he doing writing about practical atheism? So I said, I want to buy this and read what he's talking about. Here's the premise of this book. We believe in God. I mean, everybody here, you're here on a Sunday when it's dreary. The Super Bowl's tonight. I'm sure there's a pregame show on somewhere right now you could be watching. You could be eating something fatty and creamy and delicious right now if you wanted. I mean, it's a Super Bowl Sunday. But yet, you're here in church. You chose to come here. So obviously, you, want to, you believe in God enough to come to church. And the premise of this book was this. We believe in God. We have faith in God. But yet, we oftentimes act as though God does not exist. We live lives sometimes of practical atheism. We intellectually believe in God, but we live our lives as though he is not real. What does that mean? We often think of this in terms of morality. Well, I believe in God, but I don't read my Bible like I ought to, or I don't act like I ought to, or whatever. We, we, we see, often see this concept in terms of morality, and that's fine. But for me, there was a chapter in this book that I read that rocked my world, and still to this day continues to reverberate within my life. The chapter of this book was this. I believe in God, but I trust more in money. Yeah. And that one got me. I believe more in God, but I trust more in money. I was raised financially with two overarching financial poles, if you will. One was raised by grandparents who, and my, my mama was born right in the beginning of the Great Depression. So I had that Great Depression type upbringing. Um, we can be nice and say that I was raised conservatively, or we can be honest and say they're cheap. You make the call. You know, so I was raised with a very, very, very conservative view of money. I, I really am, both in my own personal finances, our finances as a family, and, and then in my view of church stuff, very, very conservatively. But then I was also raised, you don't talk in public about money. You do not talk in public about money. You don't tell folks what you, what you make. You don't ask them what they make. You don't ask how much something costs. You don't ask them how much they paid for it. You don't talk about money in public. I don't know if any of y'all raised like that. That's how I was raised. So let me tell you as a preacher, I love preaching on money. Yeah. It drives my heart to the roof every time. So that's kind of how my, my, my tent poles for financial thinking were those two things. So, I trust in God, and I give to God, as long as I've got myself taken care of first. I trust in God, and I give to God, as long as I'm comfortable. We tithe. The Stoddard's tithe. It was something we've done since we've been married. We take whatever we make, we multiply it by point one, and we write a check. That's what we do. Yet we budget so within our monthly Stoddard budget, a tithe looks practically no different than the mortgage. We write that check, we write that check, and we do it. No big deal. 
It's not uncomfortable for me. It's just what we do. So I don't know how faithful I'm being. Because, yeah, I give. But I'm not uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable. I've got everything perfectly taken care of. Believe in God. But a lot of times in my life, I trust in money more. We're talking this month, actually this year, about the journey. We've talked about our mission statement as a church is to, to, live, out, uh, to live out our mission statement, which, is, is, which we are a family of faith reaching out to you with the life-changing love and grace of Jesus Christ. So we've kind of taken that mission statement and distilled it to life changers. We're about being life changers here at the church. So to be a life changer, what does that mean? To be a life changer means that you are faithful to God. We've just defined that as meaning you're faithful to God with our shared covenant that we've made through, um, through our membership vows. We're faithful with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. We're faithful with our prayers by seeking God's face through Scripture and prayer. We're faithful with our presence, not only our presence in church, but being fully present before God, being fully present before the relationships in our life, being fully present in our community here at church, both through worship and through small group. And today, today we're talking about being, we're being faithful to God with our gifts, with our gifts, with our giving. And see, here's the thing about our giving. And we heard it this morning. That's why I think the Cain and Abel story are so important. Because we see two brothers, Cain and Abel. We see Cain, a farmer, grows the crops and gives to God an offering. And then we see Abel, the farmer, the livestock, Gives to God, it's scripture's very clear, the first he has, gives the fat portions, gives to God the very absolute best that he had, while Cain gave to God what was left. And we see within that, we see this tug, this practical tug of faith versus obedience. Faith and fear, because as the narration we heard read this morning said, Abel did not know how many more lambs he would have when he gave to God this lamb. But yet he gave it out of faith because he knew that God would take care of him. Abel's faith called him to a place of discomfort, called him to a place where he had to be dependent upon God to take care of him. Not a place where he could take care of himself Because Abel could have done everything right. He could have been the perfect herder of livestock, done everything great, and he might not have had another lamb. But he didn't do that before he gave to God what was God's. He gave to God from the first of what he had. Cain, though, he gave to God after he had everything else taken care of. He gave to God what was left of his work sure it was an offering but it wasn't about the faith because here's the thing here's the thing about giving giving at its core is a radical act of faith last week we talked about presence and i was told i told president and the president said listen this is not a come to church sermon this is not a give to church sermon. Don't tell, the, don't tell the finance committee I said that. Just finance folks, put your hands over your ears right now. Just 
Put on the ball game. I'll be back in a little bit. This is not about giving in the life of the Christian. Is the fever in the life of the cold. It's a symptom. The fever is not the sickness. The fever is the symptom. Giving's not the point. It's not about your gifts. Like I said, finance, hands on ears. It's not about the giving. It's about the faith that says, I'm going to take the step of faith and give to God what he asks of me. First, before everything, I'm going to take this step of faith to be obedient to God, to give to God, because that's where life is found. Life is found in the giving to God. I'm going to take this step even if I'm afraid, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it challenges me. And for me, that's the place my faith is calling me to, is that place of obedience. Even when it's uncomfortable because our bodies, our souls crave comfort. They do. I'm a diva. As I told the folks Yesterday in, in, in Hattiesburg, I'm a diva. I take my own sheets on mission trips. I'm not joking. I'm a baby, okay? This old boy likes his bed because it's awesome and comfortable. I do not want to be discomforted in any way or shape. I want to go to bed early and get a good sandwich. That's all I want out of life. That's it. An early bedtime and a good sandwich, I'm happy. That's all I want. But obedience to God sometimes calls us to stay up late and eat wheat bread. I mean wheat bread metaphorically, not literally, you know. Let's let's be for real. Obedience often calls us to places of discomfort because that's where we find God. Abel gave to God out of faith, not out of comfort. That's where life is found. See, here's the thing. The whole Christianity thing, all of it. Yeah, we talk, I mean, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you put your whole faith in Jesus Christ, then when you die, you're going to heaven. And I believe that with every fiber of my being, and I look forward to that moment with all that I am. That's going to be a phenomenal day, and I can't wait to cross over Jordan shores to reach the other side to live eternally. I can't wait. But that said, the point of your faith is not simply pie in the sky by and by, but the point of our faith is to live out the gospel every day. The point of our faith is to, in many ways, recover what sin has destroyed, recover what sin has taken, recover what culture has taken, recover what the world has taken. It's taken that image of God from us. It's taken what God has placed upon us. So the point of salvation is to be made like God. It's to be recover that image of God that was taken in the fall, to have restored in our hearts, restored in our life what sin has taken. Restore that image of God. And so, who is God? Look at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. The narration we heard this morning, and I love this, y'all, it's so true. God gave us Jesus when we were undeserving God gave us Jesus as an act of faith. The offering of Christ came before the fruits of repentance. God gave us Jesus before we even could accept him. It was God's act of faith in us. You ever think about that? That God has faith in you. That's why he gave you Jesus. 
That's why he, he gave Jesus for the sake of the world, because God has faith in you. God has faith in your obedience. God has faith in your repentance. God has faith in you. And Jesus Christ was that gift showing God's faith to you. It is God's gift to you. God is a giver. God is a giver. And so for us on the journey, we are called to do the same. But it's not about the giving. It's not about the giving. That's the symptom. The giving is about the faith. The faith that says, God, I've never done this before. I've never given. But I have faith in you that you will take care of me. So I'm going to do it because it's yours. It's about saying, God, I don't know how we're going to make this work, but we're going to do it because you call us to it. And we're going to do it. And by the way, here's the thing. Here's what the church is so good about it. We are always asking, hey, do this or do that or do this or do that. I'm not asking you. Like, we're talking about giving today and gifts and talents. And the next two weeks, we're going to talk about ways you can plug in and serve. Hear me. I'm not asking you to take one more thing on your plate. Sometimes we've got to give something up. Sometimes we've got to lay something aside. Both with our own finances to give with our schedule. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty busy. I'm so busy sometimes I can't serve God like I want. So I've got to look at my schedule and see if there's something I need to lay aside. What's the old Dave, Dave Ramsey thing? We spend money we don't have to buy things we don't want to impress people we don't like. Sometimes our financial wheels are spinning. And we need to lay something aside because we've got to reassess the priorities of faith. I have a good friend of mine that called me the other day and just to talk about something. He's in a situation where he has his dream job. It's a job he's always wanted. It, it's a job, everything he's wanted. He, he is, he's finally got the job he wanted. He's made a commitment to it. But he's had a family circumstance change. And now he's got this commitment to family he needs to make. He's like, Andy, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know which commitment matters more. This commitment that I've made to, to my dream job that I finally got this commitment to family and he hadn't made his decision yet but I don't know him I'm pretty sure he's going to sacrifice his dream for his family he had to lay something aside for the greater commitment how many of us as parents might not have reached the education level we'd like to have because we sacrificed for our children. How many of us as parents have turned down jobs that might have moved us to places we didn't want to go for our children? How many of us have had made those sacrifices for the greater good? Now, there are times in our life when we've had to tell family we can't be there at that moment, or we have asked family to make sacrifices for this. And that's what life is, isn't it, y'all? It's that constant juggling act, that constant battle. As we give, giving is symptomatic of the bigger issue.
Where in our life are we called to take that step of faith? Where in our life are we called to be like Abel and step out on faith, we, even when we're unsure because we know we're called to? Where are we called to be like God? To give out of faith to what's happening. Because here's the thing, here's the truth, y'all. God does not always call us to places that are comfort, but God always calls us to places that are life-giving. Whenever I was struggling with even accepting the move to St. Matthew's, Holly and I were comfortable. We were very comfortable in pedal. Life was good. But we knew that God demanded, God required our obedience to a promise we made. And we took the uncomfortable choice. And I'm thankful for that. God's a giver. And he gives in faith. In our lives, as we journey together, are we giving? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about our life. Are we giving in faith? Are we giving to God out of the faith in him? Are we giving to God out of our life, out of our finances, out of our schedule, what we have left? Today, will you journey with me in faith? Will you journey with me in faith? Will you journey with me to a place that may even be uncomfortable in times, but will always be life-giving? Because when we are obedient to God, we find more life waiting for us than we can ever imagine. Today and in this year, will you go on the journey? Let us pray.